The Click owns this business. Coming down the aisle, Bimbo, Jimbo, baby, Huey. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. Give me a hell yeah. Today, woo, I've got the stop and profile like never before. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of In The Click. I'm Baby Huey, and joined by, once again, my tag team partner for this week, Philip from the Bullet Cast. What's up, Philip? What's going on, Baby Huey? I'm doing fine. I have the championship of record, as Jimbo like <laughs> used to like to say about the WWE title, the Bullet Cast Championship, the number one title in podcasting. <laughs> this Sunday, it's on the line for WWE Extreme Rules, the horror show. And I, I think you're getting in on those. Am I am I correct? Getting I, in on those predictions? I think so. I think it's uh, it's been long overdue for me to participate in your predictions. I'm a big fan of what you guys have been doing. So for anyone who's new listening, so yeah, you like to do predictions for all the major pay per views, and yeah, you put that pretty title on the line, and the winner with the what the most wins gets to claim it for uh, X amount of time period until the next pay per view predictions. Am I right? Absolutely. Guys, if Baby Huey wins, he will become the fifth man to hold the Bullet Cast Championship. Obviously, there's me and my co-host, Brandon, and two other gents have held it. But, you know, there's never been anybody that has the tower of power like Baby Huey. (laughs) Okay, so it's a very prestige honor, a small class uh, to own or to, to use to have that title. So I feel very honored. So I feel, yes, okay, I will get in on it this time around. And uh, yeah, my fingers are crossed. I can pull off a big victory, <laughs> be uh, the inaugural champion for myself. I'm looking forward to that. But yes, once again, everyone, thank you again for tuning in to In The Click. As always, make sure to follow us and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We have all the links posted on our social media pages. You can follow us at In The Click on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, subscribe to In The Click on YouTube. We've been posting all of our segments from our latest episodes up there. So please subscribe, take a listen, share the wealth, and also, yeah, leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. We all love uh, any extra help from you guys, from the Clicksters out there. We appreciate it. And also, just thank you again to all the Clicksters who've been commenting, giving me a lot of great feedback on just this quote new era of the podcast from the last month getting a lot of feedback from people just loving what we've been doing and even a lot of people have been saying they've been loving what you and uh phil and i've been doing as far as kind of doing these individual uh specific episodes just cater to aew and once again this week we'll do the same thing we're going to talk about aew fight for the fallen another specialty version of aew dynamite this week so as always, we'll start out like we've been doing, kind of treating this as like a pay-per-view review. We'll start with our just our initial takeaways, what we like and didn't like about the, the show, and then we'll break down the individual card and the matches from there. So, uh, Philip, let's just yeah, go out and start big. Just give me your initial thoughts, reaction to uh, last night's episode of AEW Fight for the Fallen. Uh, well, overall, it was, it was very good. There are some things that we talked about 
um, last week that kind of started to happen a little bit with we when we talk about the Elite versus Jurassic Express. Uh, I'm upset because our good buddy Chris Jericho got juiced. Um, yeah, the the demo god didn't deserve that, ladies and gentlemen. He's teaching us about ratings. Show show him some respect. Yeah, I'm with you. I I really enjoyed this episode of AEW. And here's the thing, man. I think we're getting a little spoiled now as far as fans go. The last three weeks now, last three episodes, it's been, I feel like, the super juice, no pun intended, super size edition of AEW Dynamite. These are not pay-per-view, per se, that we will watch on the weekend, but the quality of the matches and the bookings and the matchups are stuff we would see on a pay-per-view special, but instead, we're just getting them for free on TNT Wednesday nights during a AEW Dynamite. I really love this. And so I don't know about you, but like when next week rolls around, when it's back to just a regular episode of AEW Dynamite, I'm going to be like, oh man, like I I feel like I'm going to be like missing out. Like I feel like, yeah, between the last two weeks of AEW's, um, uh, 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 um, oh my God, I'm spacing, uh, uh, Fighter Fest, the last couple weeks of AEW Fighter Fest, and then this week, Fight for the Fallen. I've been loving, like they said, these specialty editions of AEW Dynamite. So when next week's back to a regular episode, I'll be like, oh, man, I feel like we've been in this nice, like, party. Uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? You know, this, it, it's been just a fun ride for the last few weeks. So, but yeah, I'm with you. I really enjoyed the show. It was action-packed, great matches. And uh, yeah, let's go down the card and just kind of break it all down. So the opening match for tonight which I was a little surprised by. I thought that might be something maybe later on in the show, but I figured they want to start with a bang and get one of the most over guys in the company, our buddy Cody, uh, as TNT champion with Arn Anderson in his corner, taking on Sonny Kiss. And Philip, just your uh, thoughts on this match for uh, for AEW. Uh, well, it, it was very good. You know, Sonny Kiss did his uh, entrance with the uh, Jacksonville uh, Jaguar cheerleaders and Cody. He was playing. He's really playing the heel in this match. He opens up the uh, the contest with a disaster kick to Sunny Kiss, and he was just more aggressive and more uh, treacherous than he normally is in his matches when he's defending the TNT Championship. And yeah, I mean, this was a great showing from Sunny. I mean, I really haven't seen any of his stuff. Like I, I haven't sought out his indie work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I probably should now that I I saw how great uh, of an athlete and a competitor the young man is. But uh, they, it was fun, man. You know, uh, Sonny almost got the job done. I think he's at the crossroads at one point in time, tried to mm-hmm. beat Cody with his own move. But uh, all in all, the American Nightmare, he keeps the championship of America's greatest network. <laughs> yes. And, yeah, I agree with you. Very fun opening match. And I know initially when they announced Cody was going to be defending the TNT championship, uh, once again, like an open challenge for Fight for the Fallen. And then I think within a few days, they announced it was going to be Sunny Kiss. And so there's a lot of people, uh, you know, giving their takes on this whole situation. And for me, I was really happy to see Sunny Kiss get this opportunity just because he's been wrestling more, I believe, on AEW Dark and hasn't got a lot of major screen time on Dynamite in its existence thus far as a television show. So for him, I think hands down this was the biggest match of his time so far with AEW so I was really excited for him to get this opportunity and yeah I think he knocked it out of the park just showing his athleticism the guy is extremely talented and yeah I enjoyed the 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 opening as far as when he came out to the ring with dancing with the 
Jacksonville Jaguar cheerleaders. Very similar to, I believe he did that last year as well for the first ever fight for the fall in last summer. So like he's kind of keeping the tradition going. So that might be something moving forward. Maybe every year he's going to like step up his uh, presentation coming out to the ring for if he has a match book for the night. And for Cody, to his credit, I, I think what I've been enjoying so far is he's very much treating that TNT championship like uh, the working man's championship. The, he, he's going out there doing these open challenges and he's competing every week. So it's uh, very much, if you want to call it like what I think the IC title in WWE has represented for a lot of people over the years, it's like the working man's championship. So for Cody, I really respect that. That's what he's kind of doing, thus winning it back at double or nothing. So for the last six weeks, he's pretty much been defending it every week, except for a couple weeks, he's had various time off. But uh, yeah, for him to come out and uh, work this match with Sonny Kiss, it was a great match. And like the other thing too with Cody, with these matches, he's been really, the people he's been wrestling it's been a variety of like young upcoming talent. So I think for Cody, it's been a really a great showcase to show the great talented people that he has on the AEW roster. As far as even, you know, surprise debut of Ricky Starks, who we know from NWA power to wrestling. One of the guys from private party, sunny kiss here. So I think it's just really cool. Cody, who's, you know, obviously established, well-loved veteran in the wrestling business for, you know, decade and a half so for him to give this opportunity and use his platform and his name to wrestle these young upcoming talents to give them some uh exposure i think that's really cool from cody no yes absolutely i mean he's wrestling all these younger talents but then at the end of the day they're not beating him because obviously the experience that cody has and the tutelage that his father and all these other greats have passed on to him i mean he has Arn, the coach in his corner so you know he, he's uh he, he he's he's using all that knowledge to gain these victories. But what I want to know is why was uh Tully Blanchard really eyeing this match? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up. That's something I wanted to get into. So uh, well, I'll just say real quick, just to kind of kind of wrap up for the match itself. So I, I just felt like kind of like the first half they were kind of still feeling each other out, trying to get their chemistry going. There was I think one spot. Uh, Sonny missed like his cue. I think like uh, Cody was going to like pull him out of the corner and Sonny didn't come out right away. Um, but uh, uh, I think like the second half of the match, that's where things really got going. They really were on the same page, bouncing off each other. And it just, it, it turned to a really hard hitting athletic match. And as you said, uh, Cody, like I felt was like a little bit working, a little heelish out of the two. I mean, they're both baby faces technically, but Cody out of the two of them, was working a little more aggressive, a little more darker, if you want to call it that, like a little more, um, yeah, heelish, I guess maybe the, it might be a better word. So yeah, I was, uh, it was interesting to watch that. And I think, uh, even like, didn't he kind of brush off Arn at one point or, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly, but so they're laying the foundation or excuse me, they're laying the seeds for, you know, maybe Cody has something up his sleeve. And yeah, as you mentioned, Tolly Blanchard was sitting there kind of very much very focused on the match and I what's going on and kind of the buzz for the last few days online and the dirt sheets is, is there something going to happen pretty soon in AEW with Cody Rhodes? I, he uh, did an interview within the last couple of days talking about not so much, bring it back like the four a new generation of the four horsemen but maybe a four-man group uh very much in the style of a four horsemen 
And so that got people kind of questioning, oh, what's going to go on? Is, is Cody going to turn heel and start a new faction? Going back to what his promo a few weeks ago, where he had, you know, he put the four fingers up, in, you know, during his interview. And then uh, you see guys like FTR flashing the four, the four finger gesture uh, at Tully Blanchard later on the night. So it, it's very interesting. So I guess, yeah, uh, Phil, let me just ask you this is, do you think Cody should or will launch like his own version of the four horsemen? I mean, you, you I, I think he should do something like that because you, you look at it. The American Nightmare, the son of the American dream. How apropos would it be for him to align himself with a horseman in Arn and then another horseman in Tully and create a, a quasi-horseman faction? I mean, I, I think I think what you could do, you, you could have Sean Spears because he's already with Tully. You have uh, Cody with uh with Arn mm-hmm. bring in the uh bring in the FTR sure and they got kind of buddy buddy with uh Hangman Page uh last night we're going to talk about that if you have five of them i think that's okay, okay. and kind of like the, the horsemen they were all together like cut in promos but they all did, did their own thing you know uh Tully and Arn they were the tag champs Flair was the world champion uh Wyndham he was you know like a television champion or a US champion or whatever mm-hmm. and he he had his little singles feuds but they came together to jump guys and stuff like that so i think that's okay yeah it, it's really interesting so i'm kind of torn on this situation um as far as when cody first yeah announced that arn was going to be like his coach i was a little taken back because listen we all love and respect arn anderson he's one of the all-time greats but Theoretically, he was a longtime member of the Four Horsemen. And Cody, his dad, Dusty, was like kind of the, which, what do you call it? Like, he was... Uh, he, he was the target. Yeah, it was Dusty versus the Four Horsemen for a long period of time. And that was one of the greatest storylines in pro wrestling history. So it just, for me, it felt just a little awkward to see Cody align himself with a member of a faction that was always going after his dad. So that's why I was a little objected to that idea. But then I was like, like, let me let's see how this plays out. And it's been interesting. Arn in quote, the coach role, AKA just like a manager. It's been interesting seeing him out there. And then part of me is now like these latest rumors that Cody is wants to maybe start like his own four horsemen, which to me is a little interesting because Cody's kind of already done that, you know, similar, you know, he was a member of the Bullet Club, but even though the Bullet Club's like, you know, a huge faction of what double digit members. And he's also a member of I, the elite. And so he's already I, done that. I think what he wants is he wants to be the leader. I mean, the reason why the Bullet Club had the Civil War mm-hmm. was because he wanted to be the leader. And yeah. uh, Kenny, oh, Kenny's the leader. And the elite, you know, Kenny and the Bucks are basically the leader. Yeah. So that's that's really what he wants. And I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to call it because he has his nightmare thing going with the nightmare family. Yeah. And, you know, that extends to like QT and apparently Allie and Brandy. They're the nightmare sisters. <laughs> and uh, you have Dustin, you know, with the natural nightmares with QT. So uh, maybe he'll break away from that, too, and just do something completely different. Well, so that's what I was thinking is, you know, there, I saw like a Twitter thread last night. And there's a lot of people speculating 
what different combinations could this faction be the lineup can be for for this potential i keep saying new generation four horsemen because that's what just everyone's labeling it uh i mean who knows like they might have an individual name like i, I think for in their best interest they probably should not call it the four horsemen i just think that's such that's their own thing from the 80s and 90s i like they should call it something different if they do launch a, a four-person group i think wwe owns the trademark i would assume yeah, that's the other thing, too. I was wondering yeah. about that. So whatever it may be. So, like, Cody, I was thinking, like, okay, who can it be? It's like, okay, he's with Arn, and Arn and Tully obviously have their history as tag team slash members of the Four Horsemen. So if they were to partner up, so would it be Cody and Sean Spears aligning themselves? And then, yeah, you could easily just bring in FTR because they are get those – the. uh comparisons of just like a, uh they just look and act like the old school uh Arn Anderson Tully Blanchard tag team so that could be your four right there but I'm kind of confused because Cody and Sean Spears had that rivalry last year remember Sean hit Cody over the head with the chair and made him bled so like a year later they're on the same page I don't know if I I finally f- full and buy in on that hey Aust- Austin shook McMahon's hand at <laughs> x7 true that's true all right so, so here's something i think they could do remember when brandy was cutting people's hair yeah yeah they, they called that the nightmare collective yeah that's what you could call this new group yeah that's so a possibility i was thinking maybe yeah he can like officially have the nightmare family i mean i guess cody's been using that more just reference to everyone that's like in his camp so as you said, it's his brother, it's his wife, it, it's all these people who who are like family and friends of Cody Rhodes is this nightmare family. But maybe he can legit have a, a, a faction just called that and that could be like the main uh, stable on TV. But then I know some people were saying, well, maybe instead of Sean Spears, you could have uh, Hangman Page. Because if you think about it, like as you said, FTR, not to jump ahead to later in the show, but... We saw FTR getting drinks with Hangman Page. So it's like, well, maybe they're trying to line themselves with him. So could it be Cody and Hangman Page and FTR as as a group? I don't know. I mean, I I think Hangman Page needs to be like a a lone wolf and do his own thing. And who knows? Maybe that could be it. Maybe that could be like Hangman Page could be... I heard some people call him like he could be this generation Stone Cold Steve Austin, like this lone wolf who just goes down and kicks ass against all the bad guys. So maybe he could be that. And then maybe uh, he could be the one to take on Cody's new faction. If it like hypothetically speaking, it does turn into that. So I don't know. It's I don't know about you, but like I'm still on the fence about Sean Spears in general. Like I, 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 he doesn't totally do it for me yet. Like he hasn't really like wowed me with everything he's been doing on AEW. I mean, I don't know. His music, his theme music is okay. He, you know, he, he kind of walks slow to the ring. He, I don't know. I, I, I'm not fully in on this gimmick for him thus far in his time in AEW. So I don't know. Like part of me is like maybe him being a faction could help spicing things up a little bit. But I don't know. I was kind of trying to think of maybe someone else to take the role that Sean Spears is thinking everyone wants him to be in i don't know is there any other possible combination of people you think cody should let's say okay if it's cody 
FTR is who else besides Sean Spears can be that fourth spot? Um, I don't, I don't know, man. I know. You have to, you have to to look at it like guys who fit the old school wrestling. Uh, I don't want to say moniker, but fit the style of old school wrestling. You know, yeah. FTR they fit it one hundred percent. Cody, that's what he grew up on. Yeah. Uh, the best person that fits it is Spears. I'm sorry to say it. I mean, I like him. I don't know if you know this, but he's a perfect ten. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So you know, I mean, he he's uh you know he. He he's doing better, you know. He has the loaded uh, black glove, and yeah. that's that's seeming to work out well for him. So I think, you know, I mean, he started off hot, you know, when he hit Cody over the head with the chair. Yeah. They had their match, but he's he hasn't really been doing much. He had the little hiccup at a uh, double or nothing, and the Tully being on his uh, on his underwear or whatever. <laughs> he he's getting his head back in the game, and yes. that's and that's really what he needed. So and just, well, I was just gonna say, I'm just kind of curious how this uh, potential heel turn is going to happen. And that's the other thing that kind of uh, bums me out on the, the idea of this, because Cody, he's so over right now with just the fans and his position with the company. So I, I kind of feel, I don't know if I'm really going to be on board him turning heel. It really would break my heart. But then again, let's be honest, Cody, some of his best work has been a heel over the years, either in WWE or New Japan, Ring of Honor. Even on the independent scene, some of his best work is as a heel. So I think maybe for him, maybe he enjoys being a heel. So this is a way of kind of uh, tapping into back into that and just starting a new heel faction, AEW. And it'll get people talking too. But I'm just curious, what what route is he going to take to get there? Does he turn on Arn? Does he... But that'd be interesting. He turns on Arn to launch a four horsemen of his own. So I don't know. It's interesting. And that's the other thing, too. People keep saying four horsemen, but like we've seen other factions of four people like, you know, Evolution, one of your favorites. I mean, so it's like there you go. So that's the thing. It's like I, I don't know why people keep saying four horsemen. I guess technically that was a faction that started outside of WWE. So maybe that's why people rather use that term instead of saying Evolution. Evolution is more known in the last 20 years and that's but that's you know a full-on wwe uh created entity right there so i don't know it'll be yet yet to be seen what's gonna happen i'm curious what's gonna happen but they've been dropping clues and a big clue that we saw was in the second match of the night it was ftr taking on the lucha brothers in a match that i that probably was one of my most anticipated ones i was looking forward to the most that night uh philip what was your thoughts on this match uh yeah, I mean we talked about it last week. I was like, oh, I'm I'm really looking forward to this, you know. But um, it it, it, it was fine. It was good, you know. Um, the styles of the Lucha Bros who were high flyers and uh, Harwood and Wheeler who were just straight shooters. It really worked well. I did enjoy the finish. How uh, Harwood rips off the mask of Phoenix and rolls him up. It keeps uh the Lucha Bros not looking strong, but you know, it doesn't really hurt them because they didn't lose clean, mm-hmm. so to speak. And, uh, you know, I like how Excalibur said if that had happened in Mexico to be an immediate disqualification, but not here in the States. Yeah. I really did like that part. And, you know, um, Harwood and Wheeler, they, uh, they move on because, uh, wins and losses really do matter in AEW. So, you know, they, they rack up another win there. And I think it worked out for everyone. Yeah. It's been really interesting thus far seeing FTRs, presentation so far they're very much like 
uh, tweeners in between. They they kind of have like baby he or uh, baby face tendencies. Obviously, kind of line themselves with the young bucks, or at least be on the same page for the most part. But yet, at the same time, they kind of do these heelish tactics in the ring, as we saw uh, with uh, the finish, ripping off uh, Ray's mask and uh, doing a quick roll up right there. So it, it, it's it, it's interesting to see how they progress. Are they going to keep leaning more towards the heel side of things? Or just going to be more in the middle and just kind of do whatever they want. It doesn't matter who it is. If it's a baby face or a heel that they take out. Like you said, they're just they're, 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 they're doing their own thing. But yeah, I enjoyed this match as far as it really was the clashing of two different styles. As you mentioned, Lucha Brothers. These very athletic, over-the-top, just flying brothers that just jump around, do so many fun, crazy things in the ring. FTR, the more traditional, old-school, pounding ground mentality and style of wrestling so i think those those opposites as far as their presentation it made for a really fun match because it's it's great to see how ftr how they're going to counter these two guys who are extremely athletic and can jump and fly all over the place and they're just constantly on the ground standing there and i love how they you know cut the ring in half and bring one of the guys one of the lucha brothers over to their side and then how does uh the lucha brothers counter that they like they once they can get away from them they can start doing their own high flying maneuvering in the ring so it's just the clash of the two styles it actually works really well because if you know if it's like a Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be two high-flying tag teams going at it. But when you got the two opposite styles, I think that's what makes it really interesting. Now, this match, per se, it didn't, like, completely wowed me. Like, I was happy to see it, but it didn't really, like, oh, my God, jaw-dropping. That's one of the greatest tag matches ever. Maybe, I don't know, maybe because... You know, it's regular TV or cable TV. Maybe they want to hold, they're holding back a bit. They want to save it for maybe a true pay per view. But yeah, it didn't truly wow me. Like, oh my God, it's the greatest, greatest thing ever. So I don't know. I thought that's kind of disappointed me just a little bit. But no, it was still very fun to see the two of them go out. And I anticipate more matches of them going at it down the road. But I think the big takeaway also was the end of the match or after the match. So, um, uh, uh, you see Butcher and the Blade, they're standing outside, they're by the truck, they're teasing FTR that they got their keys to their truck. Young Bucks come out from behind the truck and attack Butcher and the, Butcher and the Blade, and get the keys and give it back to FTR. And they're like, here you go, man, here's your, your keys to your truck that they stole from you. And then we see Kenny Omega coming out with a cooler, styrofoam cooler full of beer and almost as a peace offering to the week before when he turned down their beer offer, or a couple weeks ago, I should say. So Kenny brings out the beer, offers it to them, and then the FTR just dumps their beer all over Kenny Omega's head. And then Kenny Omega was getting pissed off and wanted to attack FTR. So, and Young Bucks jumped in and t- told him to cool off, back off. You know, it's okay. Don't, 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 don't jump into this. So, uh, Phil, what were your thoughts on just the Kenny Omega FTR uh, clashing right there? Well, it was the classic sign of, oh, you disrespected us. You want to offer a peace offering? Okay, we'll disrespect you right back. We don't want it. It's it, it was it was it was just that simple. But it was the predecessor for what we saw with um with Kenny Omega later on in the night after his match with the uh, team with the Bucks and uh, going up against Jurassic Express. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the, the FTR they 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 got to him, and the the actions that Kenny Omega displayed after that match was a sign that oh yeah. 
Harwood and Har- Hardwood and Wheeler, they really they really ticked him off. Yeah, so it, it was interesting, like so we saw them reject Kenny Omega's um, you know, beer and then also uh later on in the night, you know, we see Hangman Adam Page at the bar, FTR comes in and they start drinking together. So I kind of wonder FTR is gonna be the reasoning that uh Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega break up. Like they're gonna be the ones to kind of divide the two of them. And that's something we've been kind of seeing the last couple of weeks with you know with, with FTR kind of getting in and Omega and Hangman Page's business. So that's something I'm really gonna be looking forward to moving forward is how FTR is gonna kind of spoil things. So that's gonna be really interesting. And so yeah, just keep an eye out for that. And then after that, we saw our buddy, friend of the show, Le Champion, Chris Jericho, come, came out to the ring, and they were promoting it. He had something to say, and sure enough, he came out, and it was, it was two, pretty much two, two topics he got into. The first one was he actually got into the ratings and the demo for AEW versus like NXT and the Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, Phil, your thoughts on just, uh, Jericho kind of going off on all that. Well, I have to give praise to the demo God, uh, Les Champion, Chris Jericho. Absolutely. You know, the, the demographic is really important. The 18 to 49, you know, we're in that demographic and we're, those are the ones that, uh, truly care about, uh, like, I, I you could say storylines and where certain guys are on the card and all that other stuff and the hardcore fans, and uh, I, I like I like that he got into that. You know, um, if this were WWE, they they would shy away from it. They wouldn't really address it. Yeah, the AEW they they address it head on because that's a part of uh, wrestlers having their own creative freedom in the, in that company. Uh, I I enjoyed that, and then he, of course he goes on to talk about how you know. Uh, Orange Cassidy, the match, the match he had with him was uh, one of the best of his career, and that uh, you'll never see it again because he beat him, and he has no reason to wrestle him ever again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they they come out with like gallons of orange juice, and they didn't have a sip. Uh, he was accompanied, of course, by Hager and uh, Santana, Santana and Ortiz, <laughs> and you know they 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 pour they pour some out for uh, Orange Cassidy, and he comes out. I didn't know he had his own theme music. It's kind of a banger. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie at all. And, you know, he's doing the Batista, the the thumbs up and then the thumbs down. And, oh, my God, what, what, an hei- what a heinous act to drench Chris Jericho. What was it, that $9,000 jacket? Blazer very expensive, very expensive. In orange juice? Yes. God, Jericho really does have a problem with citrus. I mean, pineapple. <laughs> Pineapple Pete, you know, we hate that guy. And Orange Cassidy, I hate that guy too. Jesus. I know it was it was very funny that whole segment, just yeah, Orange Cassidy giving the thumbs down and yeah, this like gallons and gallons of orange juice falls onto uh the members of the inner circle. And then even like there were actual oranges in there as well, besides so imagine that falling on their head as well. And, uh, yeah, no, it, I thought overall a very fun segment. I will say real quick about the rating stuff. It was interesting because at first I was kind of like, I don't know if he, like, I was like, wow, he's really bringing this up. Like, they're really going at it. Like, you know, even a couple weeks ago, MGF talking about 
you guys want ratings, then that's why you book me in the first match or something. So it's really like, I don't know if that's like a mission statement from AEW telling their roster, go out there when you have the chance, talk about the ratings and how we're beating them. Uh, part of me was like, like I don't care. Like, I don't necessarily care about hearing the ratings like that. It's like, just, just do your own thing. But then at the same time, I hope maybe, you know, by explaining things like Chris Jericho did, it'll kind of open up people's minds about the business, how things work. So for me personally, you know, working in the radio industry, everything he says, I totally understand. And it's stuff that I deal with personally in my work as far as, we look at ratings, but we go by our demographic. You know, my radio station that I work at, our our main demographic is men, 2554. That's the main one we look at. And then we also look at people. That's men and women, 2554 as well. And yeah, there are 18 to 49. There's all these different cat subcategories of ratings. So it's really interesting, these TV ratings, how Jericho explains it, breaks it down in the air. I, I'm used to it in my own version as far as like the radio side of things. And so I, I know for me, like, you know, our station, we celebrate our success based on how well we do ratings wise with, uh, within our key demo. So like, I totally understand and relate everything Jericho's saying. And so and it's true. Like we don't necessarily go by overall how many people are listening at a given moment. We go by just based our key demographic. So, like I said, it's very interesting to hear Jericho talk about that. I personally can relate to it because of what I do with in my line of work. And so just hopefully that will open people's minds up a little bit and just like kind of the importance of hitting demographic. And, you know, next time we ever hang out with Jericho again, I would love to actually talk with that with about him. Just uh, I totally understand everything he's coming from. So I guess it's kind of good just just to remind people just how TV and how TV works and the rating system. But also, yeah, with this whole Orange Cassidy pouring down the orange juice, it looks like their rivalry is far from over. And so I'm just curious where it goes from here. It's uh, It looks like it's going to be an ongoing thing. So, And this is, I think, it's really fun for Chris. Just, you know, he's not in the, the main event title scene right now. So this storyline with Orange Cassidy, it's going to be, I'm sure, a really fun segment. And then after that... He walked over to the broadcast table and started calling the second half of the show, which, by the way, we should mention that Taz was doing like the first hour. I guess Tony Schiavone, his test results didn't come back right away. Do you know anything about that, Philip? Yeah. So what what happened? Uh, Tony Schiavone Schivone. is a test. Schiavone. His, uh, his test results weren't back in time. So just to be safe, they had Taz uh, do the first little bit and then they had a soaked jericho do the rest of the show it had to be a very nice smell for excalibur oh by the way happy birthday excalibur turns the big 4-0 today yeah um it had to be a very nice smell for excalibur and good old jim ross yeah <laughs> well i love how at one point he said you know this wouldn't be so bad if i had some vodka on me i could pour into a glass and then i could squeeze out the juice in my jacket into the cup as well and mix it up. I was like, okay, we know, we know, you know, Chris likes his vodka and stuff. And so mix with a little orange juice. That's a good combo right there. Very tasty. But uh, next up was the elite, which was uh, the young bugs and Kenny Omega taking on Jurassic express featuring jungle boy, Luchasaurus and Marco stunt. Very fun match. I know it's all technically, it's all baby faces going at it. But nonetheless, it was a very entertaining, over-the-top match, high-flying. And it looked like they're all just having a lot of fun. I saw a lot of people 
comparing this. This is something you would see like down at PWG. As far as she sees over the top high spots and high flying moves, but nonetheless, very fun. So Phil, your take on this match between the, the two teams. Well, yeah, man, uh, this was my favorite match of the night. I thought FTR versus Lucha Bros was, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I loved it, man. I mean, Kenny Omega just given that uh, that dragon suplex just <laughs> to, to Mark, little Marco's stunt, just Marco landing on his head and then Marco pulling out Canadian destroyers and uh, super Huracarana Frankenstein is off, off the top rope onto Nick Jackson. It was all it was, it was all fun, man. But all in all, uh, they get the win. Kenny Omega hits the one wing angel on Marco stunt and then he proceeds to attack him after the match. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Turn him heel. Let's do it. I, I, I'd love a Kenny heel turn. Get the long black trench coat, those sinister shades, dye your hair chrome, get the chrome dome going again. Let's make it happen, baby. So that's interesting. Yeah, I was very shocked to see him. Well, I guess, keep in mind, so the first half of the match, he was wrestling in a shirt. And I guess that was a big thing. Like the commentary said, like, that's a sign that Kenny was trying to show some disrespect to, like, the other team. Like, he wasn't taking them seriously that he needed to take his shirt off. So I was like, okay, it's an interesting observation. And then once things started getting serious in the ring, he ripped his shirt off, and that's when he turned up, you know, his intensity in the match. And yeah, poor Marco Stunt eating the. I mean, I was not totally surprised him eating the pin here, but yeah, that Canadian destroyer he laid, you know, outside. So I was going to ask you, which Canadian destroyer did you enjoy, that one or the one last week with the eight man tag with Ray Phoenix going outside? So it was two amazing Canadian destroyers the last two weeks of AEW. Well, as an honorary Canadian, I will say I enjoyed the Ray Phoenix one much better. Okay. All right. Me too. I was just curious. But yeah. And so, yeah, Marco, I just love how Lucha, was it Luchasaurus throwing him around or whatever? And was it Jericho who said, it's like a father playing with their five-year-old son, throwing him around, doing whatever you want. I was like laughing so hard. But I mean, apparently, you know, Marco's done to his credit. He goes out there and just takes a beating and bounces around and, you know, just takes his bum. So, uh, but the match itself, like I said, very fun. And as I, we, uh, alluded to earlier, we saw hangman Adam page in the back, having a drink. FTR comes and joins him. And it's interesting. Like I said, if FTR are trying to slowly kind of divide the two, the two, uh, AEW tag champs, Adam page and Kenny Omega. So that's going to be interesting moving forward. So who knows? Maybe FTR is trying to recruit, other members to fill up their version of the four horsemen. That could be the other thing too. But I think what's going to happen, and this is something you and I talked about last week is how do you eventually break up Kenny Omega and hangman Adam page? And I think we talked about this as far as it's, I can easily see them losing the tag tiles to FTR. They get upset and turn on each other. And I think right now it's really easy to say, Oh, hangman Adam page out of the two is going to be the heel just because He's the one that shows like the most tension in the group right now that we've been seeing on AEW for months now, as far as the one walking away, isolating himself from the rest of the elite. But I think you and I both agree. I think it will make more sense, be more entertaining, shocking if Kenny Omega is the one to turn heel and kind of going back to his cleaner days in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that way, by doing so, you get this ultimate heat on Kenny Omega and this could 
launch him into this huge singles run, give him that push that everyone finally wants to see. And that's something he even said in an interview, that's going to be the focus of the second year now of their time in AEW. And then that way you make Hangman Adam Page this new ultimate baby face. And I can easily see, I'm trying to think like, you know, fantasy book down the road, maybe Moxley finally loses it to Kenny Omega and then Kenny Omega versus Hangman Adam Page for the title. And then Hangman can eventually win it down the road. Cause I think that's the main goal for AEW and all the EVPs. I think they want to make Hangman Adam Page like their top single star. I think that's been the plan all along. I think they know Kenny Omega, one of, if not the best wrestler in the world, but I think Hangman Adam Page, they really want to make him a star as well. So I can really see this once <laughs> it's their version of the mega power splitting that eventually this can lead to Hangman Adam Page getting a big singles run. Is that something you see as well? Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Um, with the world title picture, uh, looking at it in the long run, I would love Kenny to win it once he's a, a heel and a true heel, mm-hmm. uh, the, the cleaner. I, I want that. And Hangman Adam Page, you know, let him be the – if you want to really wait that long, let Kenny have a nice reign with it. And then Hangman's the one to to take it off of him. Mm-hmm. I, I think down long time down the road, that's what you could do. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's just it's interesting where where AEW is at right now with all their single stars, and including the world title picture. Because after what happened last night, I don't know where they're going to go next. Yeah, and I can't wait to talk about the the main event. We'll get to there shortly. But yeah, I, I, it's really interesting how Hangman Adam Page is character is going to keep progressing over the next few months and how they really are going to create this future star like this top baby face and i think like i said earlier i've heard i saw online a lot of people comparing him he could be like their version of stone cold this loner lone wolf who's just a badass that just takes out all the baddies on his own so i think that's something kind of cool that we can see in the near future uh we also saw a quick backstage interview segment alex marvez talking to the current aew women's champion hikaru shida and pretty much just saying hey a lot of the top women contenders are all out with injuries right now Therefore, Nyla Rose, technically, she's the one that's, you know, available. Would you want to give her another title shot? And Sheeta said, yeah, she's down to defend the title against whoever. So I like Sheeta a lot. I, I totally like to see them go at it again. And uh, I, I, I'm loving Sheeta's uh, as her as the AEW Women's Champ. So looking to see more from her. And then uh, next up, as you mentioned earlier, we saw the Nightmare Sisters, Brandy Rhodes and Allie, along with Dustin Rhodes in their corner, taking on a couple young upcomers, MJ Jenkins and Kenzie Page, in a fairly quick match. Uh, Phil, yeah, I don't know if there's not too much to say here. It was a quick match, but it was just more of just uh, the the tension after afterwards. As we like to say on the Bullet Cast, nobody got hurt. That's all we can ask for. <laughs> Yes, that's very true. But yeah, after the match, so Brandy and and Allie gets the win. And uh, Allie was pissed that Dustin didn't raise her hand at first and said, hey, raise my hand in victory. And once he did, she gave this huge eye roll towards Brandy. So I don't know too much of the storyline. I guess this is something that's really been focused on on AEW Dark. Unfortunately, I don't watch AEW Dark regularly, but apparently this has been an ongoing story. It just, you know, Allie and her relationship with QT Marshall, 
QT Marshall, as you said, Philip is a member of of uh, the Nightmare family, and everyone else is kind of really objecting her being around the group. And so I, I don't know about you. I, I guess these type of storylines that get more attention or focus on AEW Dark, I kind of wish maybe they would maybe show a little more maybe video package or quick highlights of dark and maybe get us up to speed who don't for us who don't watch AEW dark regularly listen i know they only got two hours a week to work with so they got to focus on the main storylines but i don't know i feel like some of the stuff that takes place in AEW dark maybe kind of catches up to speed so we kind of know more what the storyline is absolutely you know i saw this um wwe fox they they put up a video watch raw in three minutes and you can do stuff like that. Watch yeah. AW Dynamite in three minutes, or I don't know why. You watch all of AW Dynamite, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. But like AW Dark, watch it in two to three minutes. Do stuff like that, and you can throw highlights of it on uh, AW Dynamite throughout the show, and throw it on like Instagram, Twitter, whatever. You know, just to l- l- get it out there to let people know what's going on on that show for people who don't watch it on a regular basis, or anybody that doesn't watch it at all. And that's the thing we always. I know for the longest time we always would joke, man, WWE does so many like recap videos, but now looking back on it, those are actually kind of helpful because in case we miss something, they kind of catches up with just the highlights, the cliff note versions of these story beats. And so it kind of catches up the speed of what's going on and therefore why we should care about this current storyline taking place on TV. And so with that being said, the nightmare sister stuff, I watch this. I'm like, okay, you see a little tension going on, but I don't know the full story. Uh, Like I say, don't watch AEW Dark. So if there is a way to catch us up to more speed, like I said, even if it's like picture in picture, maybe some quick highlights there or like a montage video before their match. And that's something also I don't want to get into too much, but AEW, I kind of wish or miss they don't do as many like, backstage segments like they'll do some interviews like they did with you know uh you know uh hikaroshida backstage like they'll do these backstage interviews but not like a lot of backstage just uh segments or skits playing out you know what i'm saying like just you see a couple wrestlers talking backstage like we saw a little bit like ftr and anna page talking while the match was going on but like i'm just talking about pre-tape or live tape segments in between matches of just seeing wrestlers interact. Kind of like we saw Matt Hardy and Private Party in the bar, uh, was it last month, that kind of started their friendship. I kind of want to see more of that. Just That way you get a little more character building. That's something I think AEW has kind of been lacking on lately. To their credit, they've been focusing more on just match after match after match, occasional backstage interview, match after match after match. So I don't know. That's something I kind of wish they would sprinkle in more, some of these more backstage segments to kind of just build more character building for their uh, for their roster and also who knows they probably do a lot of, they have they do a lot of video stuff on their youtube page so maybe there's some stuff there we should be watching that kind of adds to the story but as you know there's so much wrestling every week now it's a lot to keep track of so for me personally i just focus on the main shows it's a lot to keep track of and uh so after that so uh dasha goes to the ring and uh has a <laughs> in-ring interview with uh, the native beast Nyla Rose and she herself also has a big announcement so she comes out and Dasha just asks her hey what is it you want to announce to everyone and she says I'm paraphrasing here she doesn't want to say or she says I want to announce that she does have a new manager 
but I want that person to come out for themselves and uh, reveal themselves. And lo and behold, it was Vicky Guerrero coming out to the ring, friend of the show as well, Vicky Guerrero coming out. And uh, yeah, she officially announced that she's going to be Nyla Rose's manager. So, Philip, thoughts on uh, this new partnership here? Excuse me! I loved it, dude. I absolutely loved it. Uh, like, look, I hated Vicky Guerrero as a child, but like, you, you look, you, you really look at her career. She got edged to multiple world titles. She got Dolph Ziggler, an Intercontinental, a U.S. and a world title. Mm-hmm. She's a, she's the perfect person you want in uh, your corner. I'm not going to call her the modern day Sherry Martell or anything like that, but you know, she got guys to new levels and. So that's perfect for Nyla. Like, if I were a wrestler, if I want a female manager, it's Vicky Guerrero all day. Or a manager in general, it's Vicky Guerrero all day. So kudos to Nyla for uh, picking up Vicky. And Vicky's dubstepped theme song, <laughs> I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a big fan. I like it. It was like, excuse, 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 excuse me. <laughs> like, like the beginning part right there. And also that was cool. Like, her name at the bottom, uh, the graphic says, like, was it 15 plus years of experience in wrestling, but like Chris Jericho, who we all know, longtime friend of Eddie Guerrero, he said, dude, she's has a lifetime growing up in the Guerrero family. So just cause it says 15 years, that's a little, a bit of a lie. She has a lot more experience just in the wrestling business in general, her whole life, pretty much. So I love Chris kind of just paying tribute to that and acknowledging that. And the other thing too, is I love during her, uh, so she's talking about what she plans to do with Nyla Rose, like pretty much did say she was going to reveal the strategy, but she did say, listen, she's got a lot of people to win championships. Um, I did love at one point she did in her own way, say, uh, whether it's lying, cheating or stealing, she, she said it in her own way in those sentences. So obviously paying tribute to uh, her late husband, Eddie Guerrero. That was one of his catchphrases, lying, cheating, stealing. So I I thought it was very cool. She used those words in her uh, last bit of sentences. So I was like, it's just very cool. Just for us longtime fans, just connecting the dots to everything. Hey, man, it still holds true. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm very excited. And I think Vicky... She still has a lot to uh, give to the to the wrestling business, and I'm just very happy for her. And like you know, real talk, she's such a sweetheart. I, uh, we've interviewed her before in the past, but also hung out with her at, at Silicon Valley Comic Con last summer, and it was very fun hanging out with her. She was super sweet. I went up and introduced myself because when I talked to her, it was just on the phone. So when I went up and introduced myself, she was super happy, gave me a big hug, and like. I know she's being a heel manager right now, but hate to break kayfabe, but she's such an awesome person. I know she has a new book coming out as well. So uh, that's someone maybe try to get an interview with, with as well. I think that'd be really cool. So, uh, so happy for Vicky and just her back in the wrestling industry. And uh, yes, last but not least, Philip was the main event, the AEW World Championship. John Moxley, the AEW champ, taking on the FTW champion, the Machine Brian Cage with Taz in his corner. Uh, main event time, championship match. Whew, okay. Uh, man, I'm trying to think how I want to scra- get into this because there's, I think, a lot to uh, uncover here. So, yeah, Philip, initial thoughts on this match, and then we'll get into everything about it. I mean, uh, it was you know it, it was a brawl for the most part. Um, Cage he he kicked out of the uh, the paradigm shift. 
Uh, nobody's done that in AEW yet, so I thought that was a nice touch for him to be the first person to do it. But uh, spoiler alert, Moxley's still the champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taz, he, he made the smart decision and threw in the towel because he didn't want his uh, his client to be hurt in the long run. So he, he made that executive decision. Mm-hmm. So Cage, you know, he, he, he let him survive. He let him survive. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah, okay, a lot to unpack here. So, first things first, I thought it was just cool, Moxley coming out to the ring with a Danny Havoc shirt, just paying tribute to his friend who passed away uh, within the last couple months. And also, the match itself, it was it was hard-hitting, both going at it. I, I really like seeing Moxley go after Brian Cage's, was it bicep? Because he had an injury there earlier this year. So from a strategy standpoint, and we saw even the the video package earlier in the night of Moxley saying, like, okay, he might be a little bit too big for me to lift him up to do his paradigm shift, but I can still go after his arm, that recently injured arm, and go after the attack that, rip it off the bone. And so we actually saw that throughout the match. Moxley kept attacking that arm. And I don't know about you, but every Moxley match goes outside to the to the uh uh like the seating area. So Brian Cage, Brody Lee, Hager, like it always goes outside the ring into the crowd or what where would the crowd be sitting? But uh this one, yeah, he takes Brian Cage outside. I love what he threw him on the the fencing, the the barricade up against the ring, you know, and he uh you know, suplexed him into that. Also, he put his arm, Brian Cage's arm, through uh, the, another barricade uh, fence, and he you know, kept stomping uh, his bicep as well. So, like I said, going after that arm injury that uh, he had, yeah, earlier this year, I think after he uh, left Impact Wrestling, after he dropped the title and he was gone for months, yeah, he was actually recovering from that injury. And Taz, I think it was Taz, he said, you know, that's what prevented him from coming sooner to AEW. So, that was a big focal point in this match. Now, as you said, the, the match ended when Moxley had Brian Cage in a submission, arm bar hold, and Taz threw in the towel. At first, I was like, okay, I can go with that finish. It's protecting Brian Cage. He didn't technically tap out, so technically someone else cost him the match. So you still kind of look, Brian Cage looks strong as far as he didn't actually quit. But then again, like... I slept on it, and then this morning, the more I thought about it, I kind of thought that was kind of a cheap finish uh, for a couple of things. One, okay, since Brian Cage joined AEW back at Double or Nothing, he's been booked at this dominant monster. You know, he won the Casino Battle Royal ladder match, become the number one contender in the first place. Every match he's been in, he's been squashing guys, tearing guys apart. But this match with Brian, or excuse me, with Moxley, I, I don't know about you, Phil, but. I, I think Moxley got too much offense in. I, I kind of wish Brian Cage would have dominated the match more. How about you? Like he's he's supposed to be this monster. I, I kind of was hoping Brian Cage would dominate more throughout this match. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you know Mox has been on the shelf for a little bit due to quarantine or whatever. So I guess Cage didn't really think he was ready, but Mox was more ready than what Cage believed he was. So he was able to just get offense in and keep maintaining it. But yeah, it would have been very nice to see um, Brian Cage get a whole bunch of offense in on uh, Moxley and really just dominate him, and then you could go to the armbar spot. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole thing with it being a cheap finish, yeah, but 
if you have a clean finish, it's going to really hurt Cage build up all this time and then oh he just loses and then Moxley you just get the championship off of him that quick and I know um AEW they uh they're they're not about stuff like that yeah so well, this this was the best option yeah I mean I was trying to think of different scenarios that could have maybe played out a little bit better that kind of would maybe please the fans because I've been seeing a lot of comments online a lot of people were upset with this finish and I was trying to think of like different scenarios and I mean, to AEW's credit, they've been booking Moxley very strong. Like, every person he's taken on, he's been going toe-to-toe with. And so, from that standpoint, it's like, that's cool. Like, he's beating up everyone. He's, and you want to see that from a world champion. Also, you know, he, he he's the champion. And, he, of course, he's going to beat people. There's a lot of people complaining that AEW, they bring in all these big man monsters who dominate for a couple months and then they put them in a big high profile match and then they lose. And so people are saying they don't really know how to book a true monster. And part of that to me, it's like, well, wait, what are you trying to say then? You're saying, do you want the, like the world championship to be just hot potato around from person to person? I mean, like that's how you build credible champions. Like you look at Moxley's record so far, he's beaten Brian cage Brody Lee, Jake Hager, you know, in these world title defenses. So for me on paper, that's what makes Moxley a great world champion. He's beating all these guys being thrown at him. I, I, I just don't get, listen, not everyone can win. I hate to say it. Every new shiny toy that comes into a promotion can't win the title right away. You can, they can come in and help put someone else over, but does that make sense, Philip? I feel like a lot of people are complaining. Oh, they bring these monsters in, have them dominate, and then they lose at a big match. Well, it's like, well, what do you want them? You want them to win right away? Then you'll criticize the previous person that was a champion and be like, wow, that was a short title reign. That was a waste of time. No, that's how you make like a guy like Moxley look strong. He's beating all these big competitors being thrown at him. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Who, who's out here complaining about this? Like, we're not going to hot shot titles. This isn't WCW 2000. We're not doing that here. <laughs> we're not going to have 22 championship reigns for one title in a, in like one year. We're not doing that. That's yeah. not that's not what's happening. Yeah. We're building up Moxley. He's a credible champ. By the way. <laughs> it, it, thank you. I, I learned from Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. I really remember yeah. that. It was like 20-something title changes that one year. But anyway, sorry <laughs> not to cut you off. Yeah, it goes like Kofi was beating a whole bunch of guys. Nobody complained about him yeah. beating all these guys. Why Look are you complaining Drew about Moxley? Drew McIntyre exactly. right now. He's been beating everyone thrown at him in the last couple months as as WWE champion. Like that's what you do to build up a credible champion is you build up like look at Hogan in the nineties at WCW. Like uh remember the the stable uh the uh the monsters. Oh my god. Uh oh my god, where's Tommy when I need him? But uh uh you know, Kevin Sullivan, the Dungeon of Doom, like that whole faction was made just for Hogan to take out one by one. Like they all came out him one by one and he beat them all one at a time. Like that's sometimes what you do in wrestling to build up a champion. You build up these heel monsters that come after them one by one and you beat them. And then that way you make your, your champion this ultimate baby phase. Like, like I just, I just don't get these people who get mad. Like they don't know how to book a monster. Well, they're not designed to win everything. 
you know it's going to be great when Mox has been champion for like a year. Oh, it's it's too long, dude. Bruno was champion for eight years. Yeah. What do you? Hogan was champion for like three and a half. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I hate to say it, but Daniel Bryan a year and a half ago, he was right. The fans are fickle. <laughs> like, am I right? I mean, like real talk, like fickle. But it's true. Like you can't, and that's the thing. Wrestling fans, you know, in the last what decade or five years, whatever, in this social media world that we live in, everyone has a voice. And hey, that's cool. You can voice your opinion on social media, but everyone, you can't please everyone. That that's why I've realized, like, you gotta, you know, stick to the plan, stick to your own ideas, what you want to do, but. Unfortunately, yeah, you can't please everyone. And that's the thing here. AEW, they have probably their own plan, what they want to do with Moxley's title reign and who's going to challenge him and take on him and eventually who he drops it to. With that being said, you can't please everyone. I mean, you can't listen to everyone's opinion because you'll never satisfy everyone. And that's what's kind of tough right now, I think. And anyone in a booking position, like you said, you can't please everyone. So for this situation... That's how you keep building Moxley as a strong champion. He takes out all these big baddies. Now, like I said, I was trying to think, well, what could have been a, maybe a better compromise from a booking standpoint where Brian Cage still looks like a badass, but still loses and Moxley retains. So I was thinking, you know, well, maybe Brian Cage should have been maybe a little bit more dominant in the match, like beating him up throughout the, the match. Moxley maybe occasionally gets a comeback or two, but then maybe Moxley gets a quick roll up or something and sneaks out a, a victory. And then that way he retains Brian cage still looks like a monster. Cause he dominated most of the match kicking his ass, but just, you know, one little dumb move cost him nits. And then maybe in frustration, Brian cage just starts beating the crap out of him after some more. So let's, I'm just saying fancy booking here. Moxley, let's, let's say gets a quick roll up wins retains, but Brian cage is pissed off. He starts beating the crap out of him and then, you know, maybe they need like a bunch of security or something to come out and pull him off just to really show how dominant he is. And when you piss him off, he's like the Incredible Hulk. It takes like a whole army to stop him. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that's basically what happened after the match when Darby Allen made his return <laughs> to the company. Uh, I miss Darby Allen and his theme songs are great too. Yeah. They, they did the old ECW, the lights go out. Oh my God, who's here? And then, you know, it's Darby Allen with the uh, skateboard off the top rope to the, the head of uh cage. And then everybody, all these officials and uh, backstage personnel are, you know, trying to hold him back from getting at Darby Allen. So I guess that's where cage is going to be going moving on. Yeah. And so I was thinking like hypothetically, let's say, Brian Cage is upset that he lost, like Moxley outsmarted him and got this quick win. So Brian Cage goes on a tear and just starts beating the crap out of Moxley some more. That way you build up some heat on Brian Cage. Moxley's still champion and you feel sympathized for him getting his ass kicked like that. And then I was thinking, I think it was a little premature for Taz to give him the FTW championship. Maybe after this scenario played out, then like next week, Taz is listen I know you you lost the match but you still prove to the world that you're the baddest you know mother effer out there so to reward you I want to give you the FTW championship so does, is that kind of a cool maybe alternative plan so I was trying to say I was trying to think of how they could have maybe handled this better so that way Brian Cage still looks like a badass Moxley still retains can still 
has another big victory under his you know resume as current AEW champion. So that's what I was thinking as a compromise is is next week that's when Taz should present the FTW championship and then let Brian Cage go on a tear defending that title week to week, very similar like Cody, like open challenge style, and just beats up everyone and then you keep building him up as this big monster. Then that way kinda of everyone wins. Like I said, I'm just trying to think of a scenario that could have played out better than the one last night. Cause I think a lot of people just were upset that it felt kind of cheap and, and, and you build up Brian cage as this huge heel monster. And just for, for the second, there's a little, uh, 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 uh struggle Taz throws in the towel. And so therefore it kind of throws everything that had been building up out the window. So I totally understand the frustration amongst the fans. So like I said, I was trying to think of different ways this could have played out better. And as you said, Darby Allen came out and attacked Brian Cage. And so kind of renews the rivalry that they kind of started back at the casino ladder match at Double or Nothing. So now it looks like moving forward, Moxley will go up on a different path now, a new contender. And Brian Cage will now go over, take on Darby Allen. Do you think Darby Allen's going to win the FTW championship at some point? No, no, absolutely not. So, but that's the thing. It's like Darby Allen. Do you think he'll lose to Brian Cage down the road? Like, because you just like I think they're really trying to build up Darby Allen as this, this like really anti-hero baby face, and so he just came back from being gone a month. Like, I don't know if they want to sacrifice him losing right out of the gates again. So I don't know. It's a little bit of a tough situation. I mean, yeah, he's not going to be. He's not going to be Cage though. I, I, just, I just don't see it. I don't see it at all. True. I, I, I hear you on that as well. So it's going to be interesting how this play out. So like I said, I'm trying to think from a more logical storytelling standpoint. And like I said, like initially I was okay with the finish for the main event. But then the more I thought about it, I thought it just kind of throws out everything out the window that they've been working on for the last couple of months. And like I was thinking what it could have been some more alternative ways to please everyone. So We'll see moving forward how uh, the guys in AEW can kind of maybe rebuild Brian Cage now after this. And here's the thing. They also said in commentary, you think about Brian Cage. I think it was Jim Ross. Brian Cage was out five months with the bicep injury. He's been back for, what, barely two months. If Taz didn't throw out the throw in the towel and then Moxley theoretically kayfabe retore it, he'll be out for another five months. So hypothetically, in a year's time, he was out 10 months, only wrestled actual two months of it. So you're th- theoretically throwing out a year in the prime of his career. So I get it from that standpoint, the value of why he threw the towel in. No, I understand it completely. I mean, I I, I can relate to this. So I'm always throwing the towel in right now. <laughs> Jesus, I can relate to this, man. We had a, I'm a wrestling coach. So we had a girl at a tournament. She, uh, she hurt her back and we were like, all right, we got to, we, we got to take you out. I mean, she went on to uh, advance to the tournament anyway, but we were thinking about the long term, exactly what Taz was doing there. So I completely relate to that 100%. Yeah, so it, it's, like I said, AEW, and this is something I kind of seen other people, other wrestling journalists and uh, podcasters, is I, I think in some of the storylines, like I, I, I kind of want to see better logic for some of these uh, AEW storylines. So that's something I hope AEW could kind of recover from is kind of these storylines, the logic for their decision makes more sense and and, 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 
goes with everything they've been building up so far. And yeah, like I, I really want to see some of these storylines start progressing too. So it's going to be interesting um, to see where AEW goes from here. It's going to be also interesting to see a regular episode of AEW Dynamite next week. We're so used to all these specialty versions of AEW Dynamite week to week. And uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I still think AEW still has a lot of great momentum going right now. And uh, I'm super excited to see what's next for them. So yeah, Philip, I think uh, another fun show in the books from AEW. No, yes, absolutely. You know, uh, if Cody wants to buy some more trademarks, they can do um, AEW Dynamite semicolon sin. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but no, that, that's the other thing too. I, 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 I think you and I talked about this last week. Is theoretically uh, AEW and even NXT, their pay per views are what more like once a quarter. AEW does theirs like once every three months, and then um, uh, you know NXT does take over once every three months. So I'm all for kind of like these halfway points. So maybe like every six weeks they do like a specialty version of their like Wednesday night show to kind of spice things up kind of instead of AEW Dynamite they add to AEW's Fight for the Fall and so uh, I'm looking forward to the next one that they do so I don't know what's official let's see what will be next oh they they do have All Out coming up right end of August so that's still going to happen they have not they didn't say a location they just said a date so my guess will probably still be in the same spot right that's that's possibly but have you noticed the last couple of weeks more people have been there like in the crowd area yeah well even this week too i, I saw more people with face mask on which is the smart move just from a, a real talk and real life situation going on that you know the number of coronavirus coronavirus cases going up in all the big states so it's scary like come on people <laughs> philip it's what you say wash your wash your hands <laughs> wash your ass Wash your hands, wash your face, wear your mask, wash your ass. Exactly. It's just that simple, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but but if you look at, like, if you follow, like, certain indie promotions on social media, they're running actual shows now. Just face masks are have to be worn, obviously. Yeah, it was a game changer wrestling out in, like, New Jersey and the East Coast. Yeah, and then them, them and a, a couple, um, a couple promotions in, in the South, you know, they're running shows and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like out. It's supposed to be outdoors. Obviously, show, uh, social distancing. So, like the uh, either like cars pulled up or or the seats are all spread out. And yeah, you gotta wear a mask. So it'd be interesting. No, I, I I've seen some in like regular buildings. You know, like how APW runs like the Bakelli Event Center. You know, yeah. I've seen sh- like that's been popping up recently. So I mean, you never know, man. It'd be interesting, but yeah, I, I, I for all out, I wouldn't be surprised to just keep it in Jacksonville where it's currently at. I just. I mean, Florida has a lot of cases going up as well. Like, I just don't see a, a large size arena event happening soon. It's unfortunate. You see New Japan Pro Wrestling doing it, it's, but no, here in America, like, there's still people breaking the rules, not wearing a mask, and like these cases keep piling up, and more and more people are testing positive. So it's like, come on, people, be smart, stay inside, shelter in place, <laughs> wash your hands, wear a mask if you do go out. Social distancing, come on. Like, the sooner we can all get on the same page and just follow the rules and then therefore can reduce the number of cases, and that's the sooner we can, like, get back to our normally scheduled lives. It's not that hard. I know it's a little bit of inconvenience, but long-term, it helps a long way. And so that way we can fight this 
the coronavirus and put an end to it. Like we need to, we want to get back to our normal daily lives of experiencing live shows like wrestling, all that stuff. Absolutely, man. I mean, you look at Extreme Rules, the horror show, supposed to be in San Jose this Sunday. I know. I know. (sighs) There was, this week was supposed to be a lot of big uh, concerts this week for me that I was supposed to go to this week, but yeah, isn't happening. So, but like I said, people, please wear your mask, be smart out there. The sooner we can all get on the same page, the sooner this coronavirus will go away and we can get back to like a regular regularly scheduled live. So, all right, Philip. on that note, let's go home for the night. Where can the good people find you online? Uh, my personal heel Antwine, uh, H E E L Antwine, A N T W I N E, um, Instagram and Twitter. Like I said, Facebook people, I've, some of you have sent me requests. It's just weird. Don't do it. I'm serious. Uh, <laughs> um, I have bullet cast, uh, on Twitter, the bullet cast on Instagram, the bullet cast on YouTube. If you want to email us questions, uh, bullet cast two as in the number two, sweet S W E T at gmail.com. Also follow my other uh, podcast, complex conversations, C O M P L E X X two X's three is something very, very, very different. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's on all podcasting platforms, and that's on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, that's going to do it for me. Baby Huey, thank you for uh, having me back on. I guess I'm a weekly edition now, I, we could yeah, say. Yeah, I think so. I, you're, you're my AEW correspondent. Hey, man, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad to do it. I'm glad to be here for the long run. Absolutely. Pre- thank you. I, pre- I appreciate this, man. You know, uh, I, I've enjoyed our friendship over the last couple of years, and thank you for uh, having me on uh, your platform. I really do appreciate this, man. I love it. You're welcome. Like I said, you're a hard worker. I see a lot of myself in you, you know, just putting the hustle out there. So respect to that. So, no, just keep it up. And, you know, for me, it's all about paying it forward as well. Like, real talk. It's all about that. Like, you see someone hustling if there's a way to like pass down anything I learned or use my resources to help out the next generation of any way I can, it's all, that's what it's all about paying it for. But um, before I forget, I I'm sorry. I missed this last week, but yes, listen to the bullet cast, subscribe to the bullet cast on your favorite podcast platform this week. Brandon was in the, the was leading the charge this week. So please listen. I love him answered my question, my fan question, just explaining how awesome Stone Cold Steve Austin is. You see what it was. I'm you, I'm Vince all the time, and he plays the role of Trips. I, I thought we'd reverse it. I thought we'd reverse it this week. That's honestly what it was. But uh, no, I was just gonna say, Brandon. One thing you gotta mention, like one of the big reasons why Stone Cold Steve Austin is so awesome. He said a lot of great value, uh, uh, valuable points, and. For everyone listening right now, listen to the broadcast to hear what Philip, uh, sorry, what, what Brandon had to say. But the big thing as well, keep in mind, Stone Cold beat Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14. That's like his one of his biggest victories ever. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Philip, I mean, Brandon forgot to mention that. Also, just because the other thing too, he got to kick his boss's ass for years. Like how many of us who go to work and maybe have like a, a, a terrible boss? Like we could relate to Stone Cold. He was able to do stuff that we could not do, that we dreamed about doing, kicking your boss's ass. So that's something, Brandon, if you're listening, remember that. That's like for me growing up, you know, in middle school and high school, watching Stone Cold in his prime years, I love seeing 
Stone Cold beat up Vince McMahon. Like for me in school, you know, of course there were teachers I didn't like. I wish I could do what Stone Cold did, but I couldn't. So anyway, Stone Cold, that's what made him so special. Like just a regular common, he was relatable to the common man out there, the common people out there. So, all right. Also, before I forget, I didn't mention this last week. Yes, uh, Philip, you were also a guest appearance on the Rudos podcast. Was it last week? So uh, check out Rudos podcast. Too <laughs> great, you got the belt in your in your lap right now on your shoulder. But yeah, Rudos podcast. Uh, another good brother uh, does an amazing work as well. Um, and so yeah, look up Rudos podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Also on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, that's where it was. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for uh, having me on. I appreciate you, brother. And lastly, bullet cast predictions for the championship. Huey's in on it. I'm defending it. Uh, Brandon is in on it, as always. He wants the title back. We're releasing our recap of that uh, late Sunday night, early Monday morning. You don't want to miss it. I'm keeping my championship. Diamonds are forever, and so is the microphone messiah. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, no, Jay, like I said, he does great stuff with the Rudos podcast, so follow them as well. We got a lot of great podcasts in the Bay Area Wrestling Podcast. So maybe I was thinking down the road doing like maybe like a round table with all these great shows. Like we're all in one room. Well, I don't know if we can right now with the pandemic, but at some point it'd be kind of cool to get like a big group round table discussion or something, kind of everyone, you know on the same page meeting up so that we'll we'll figure something out and i'm baby huey follow me on facebook twitter and instagram facebook at baby huey official twitter and instagram at baby huey 83 for everything in the click just follow us facebook twitter instagram at in the click also youtube subscribe to in the clicks youtube channel got all of our segments up there so please take a listen and please share all of our episodes we appreciate all the love and support from all you clicksters out there i can't thank you enough um you know, it's just me kind of by myself behind the scenes, you know, editing, getting all this stuff out there. So any support that you guys fill up, thank you for always like resharing, retweeting, reposting on Instagram, all the stuff that we've been doing thus far. It's uh, like I said, it's a one man show. I'm trying to get all this stuff out there as fast as I can to you guys every day. Working on this on my downtime, personal time. And uh, yeah, subscribe to In The Click, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. If there's a platform out there that we're not on please email me in the click at gmail.com a lot of good stuff coming your way very soon have an awesome rest of the week and we'll catch you for the next aew dynamite review and on that note that's the bottom line because huey said so <laughs>